Hello and welcome to Overtime Heroics attempt at a baseball podcast. We're uh, Cheap Seats Chatter. Um, we uh, have a Twitter. I hope you all follow us there. Um, I'm with Alex Clark at the Sports Guy 242 on Twitter and Ken Allison at Ken Allison 18 on Twitter. Guys, how are we doing today? Doing good. And you? Uh, I'm doing all right. Living what dream, whatever this nightmare dream we can call it is in, in COVID life right now. <laughs> the, fe- the fever dream as it is. Yeah, I guess I guess that's uh, I guess that's what we could call. It. But uh, no, this is this is something new we're attempting. It's cheap seats chatter. Um, we're, we're pretty excited about it over here at Overtime Heroic. We've been uh, talking. We've got 14 guys that are willing to join in, uh, talk a little bit about the each division, uh, each, uh, div- uh, each team in the division. On Friday, we're going to have a general MLB show, hoping to have interviews and guests that will come on. Um, but, I mean, as, as, as we speak and have spoken beforehand, uh, Monday we'll have the Eastern show. Uh, so if you're an Eastern Division, a fan of an Eastern Division team, Yankees, Phillies, anyone out East, your show, your fandom will follow Monday. And I hope you would follow us and listen to us that following Tuesday where we talk about Central teams, Cubs, Sox, um, Tigers, Royals, Reds, Cardinals. Ken, I know you're going to be the Cubs guy. You're going to be the central guy and be running the show over there. So I'll let you uh, talk on that a little bit on what you're expecting out of your central show here. Well, I'm hoping to get a good look at, at what the central's doing. It's been a, a very surprising division. Um, and I, you know, we'll get into more of this later. Um, you know, but I'd like to get an overall look at, you know, how the teams are doing, how the players are progressing, you know, what, what is surprising, what's not surprising, just a, just a general overall look at the, at the national league central and the national, the, uh, American league central teams. And, uh, and, and, and I'm, and I'm leading into now, uh, Wednesday will be our off day. Thursday, we'll have a Western division, uh, recording. And that's where Alex Clark comes in. He's going to be helping out on the Western division side. Uh, Alex, what are you expecting out of the West here, uh, for your shows on Thursdays? Well, the well, the West Division has a lot of really interesting teams, a very lot of interesting storylines where you have guys that are World Series champion potential and also guys that are complete bottom dwellers. So we want to be able to give that contrast to seeing which ways are going to be working for these teams, how are they going to be progressing as we see this year going, but also talking about the future, just seeing how is this West Division going to try and work its way through this shortened 2020 season and working towards 2021. That's that's great to hear, guys. I um, I'm loving what I'm hearing. Uh, I'm glad you guys are in charge. You're you're gonna. I have full faith in you. And and now I'm gonna be running the show on Friday, where it's gonna be a grab bag uh, type deal. We'll have MVP of the week, breakout players, surprises of the week, and that kind of leads into our show uh, today. We're gonna talk about some breakout players, who we think the MVP is, teams that have surprised us, good or bad. And uh, I'll start with with you, Ken. Uh, what has been surprising? in the MLB thus far this season for you? Um, uh, really everything. Uh, the changes in the rules, the, the, the fact that the Baltimore Orioles are up and the Red Sox are down, the fact that the Cincinnati Reds you know, have what should be a World Series contender and they can't win a game. Um, and it doesn't matter what division or what league. It, it goes you know, you know, American and National and East to West, and, and nothing seems as it should seem this year. Um, it's the seven inning double headers. It's the runner on second base in the tenth inning. It's all just surreal to me. You bring up an uh, interesting point uh, that we were just talking before that we were recording the show about that runner on second base in the extra innings. And 
Uh, Alex, what are your, what are your thoughts on that, man? I, I, I know what I feel, but uh, it's kind of a controversial topic in baseball today. It is, in my opinion, probably one of the most controversial topics when it comes to the new, to baseball and to the new rules. I mean, I, I would say it's probably more controversial than say the seven inning doubleheaders, because this is one of the thing that this is one of the things that is very divisive because you have the the old pure baseball fans that think that this is a horrible atrocity. Please get it out of my baseball. But then you have some of the younger fans that are like, well, you know what? We want to see more scoring. This will show you guys more scoring. Um, personally, I am not a huge fan of it. I am not a big fan of it because I like to see it's giving a handicap to some teams, whereas others may not be able to do it as well. I want to see good, pure baseball. And I want to see which team is going to outlast the other team. Because in baseball itself, especially with a 162-game season, it's different this season, obviously. But a baseball season is a war of attrition. Being able to see which team is going to be the last team standing. And that's usually how extra innings usually work for us. For this, it's a little bit different with the runner on second. You could, with nobody up, bunch him over to third to try to sack fly him in. And it just comes down to a lot of execution. Where that's where I see the good bits of it. To I am me, it not comes a huge down fan to a whole bunch of little league. I'll say this: it comes down to what manager's better. I I don't mm-hmm. know if if you guys feel the same way, but uh, Ken, I I know your team's got a new manager, and I personally love him. What he's doing with Madden, uh, or what he's replaced uh, the kind of gimmicky I thought was a gimmicky culture with uh, Joe Madden. Absolutely. Travis Wood or Alex. No, it was Travis Wood and left and all that goofy stuff he did, the shifts, all that. But um, it kind of comes down to what manager knows how to manage a game. And in an age where numbers really drive what managers do, they're forced with making pure baseball decisions. That's the only uh, good thing I'll say about this is it, it kind of show it separates the cream uh, from the crop. Uh, well, speaking of managers, let me ask both of you one quick question. All right, Joe Madden is now with the Angels. David Ross with the Cubs, obviously. Do the Angels on paper not have a better team than the Cubs do? You know, Alex and I were actually just talking about this before, we were. The, before the broadcast, and we we're, were texting about it earlier. I personally love the Angels every year. They're my dark horse team out of the AL, and they never seem to come to fruition. And I thought this year would be different. You know, they, they got Julio Tejeron, who I thought might have a bounce back year, and they got Dylan Bundy, and I thought Canning was going to be better. And I was like, okay, if Otani is really this ace that he's supposed to be, they have a formidable secondary staff around them. It's just the bullpen I'm concerned with. Um, I thought their lineup was good. Um, so I, I don't disagree that I think the Angels uh, roster was better, but I, I don't know if it's Madden's issue as much as it's been the injury bug with guys like Andleton Simmons and Shohei Otani not pitching now um, for the Angels. Well, and the Cubs have been bitten already earlier as well. Yes, um, that, is, been, that is true as well. You know, but in the meantime, the Cubs are 16 and 8 and the Angels are 8 and 17. I, I, like I said, I've never been a, a Madden believer in his time in Tampa. I wasn't when they played, who was that, Philadelphia in the early 2010s. I just didn't, I didn't, I wasn't, I didn't believe then. And he shocked me in 2016, but. Um, Joe Madden is what the Cubs needed when they needed him. After the 20, well, after about halfway through 2017, it was very obvious to me that the tail started wagging the dog and all they needed to do. And everybody cried about David Ross. Oh, you're going to get rid of champion, you know, uh, ship winning uh, Joe Madden for for a yes man for Theo Epstein. Baloney. 
you know, Ross came in. He knew that he wasn't, you know, wasn't experienced. He he relies on, you know, Andy Green quite a bit, you know, his bench coach and and, and a former manager, as you both know. And, and Ross comes in and he's and he's a player's manager, and he doesn't overmanage and he doesn't micromanage, which are all things that Joe Madden has been guilty of since since the day the Cubs signed him. I I'll be honest with you, I, and I catch all kinds of flack. Um, uh, you know, I and I write for uh, you know another a Cubs related website as well, and I caught all kinds of flack for saying after 2017 they needed to fire Madden. Everybody told me I knew nothing about baseball, you know. And then guess what? In 2017 the Cubs bowed out at the NLCS, and then in 2018 they bowed out at the wild card level. Last year I don't know what you guys were doing on November 1st, but I wasn't watching baseball or October 1st rather. But I wasn't watching the Cubs. They didn't even get to the playoffs last year. I mean, I, I've been a Mariner diehard, so I haven't seen October baseball since 2001. I'm, so. a, tiger, I'm a Tigers diehard, and I'm, I'm not not as uh, not as long as uh, Alex over there, but I have had uh, issues uh, watching postseason baseball without my Tigers there. So. Well, gentlemen, we've all found common ground. <laughs> <laughs> well, struggling for but, bad but teams, of, I guess. Going back to kind of the original question of, about the Cubs v. Angels, the Angels have always had one big problem. They're problem has been a lot of their own ego where bait where they think that offense is going to win them every single game where they could score seven runs a game eight runs a game and win that makes sense if you have any level of pitching their pitching just does not exist their best pitcher right now is dylan bundy shohei otani is broken again and julio Tehran is more like the first four letters of his last name t he it's a joke at this point now with their it's like with their pitching side. Yes, their offense is fantastic. You've got Otani who could still crush the ball. You've got Mike Trout, who was the best player in baseball. You've got Anthony Rendon as their big offseason pickup. And then a, a whole other cast of characters that are at least good offensively. The problem is, and has been for the last several years for the Angels, has been their pitching. They have not had a solid core five, and their bullpen has not been able to help them at all and that's kind of the main reason why they haven't won yes they're going to win a lot of games just by purely outscoring opponents but outscoring can only take you so far if the if your pitching staff is just going to give up everything that you just got yeah well i think with the exception of the dodgers almost you could say that about almost every team you know in the cubs case it's it's you know this year it's phenomenal starting pitching um and and yet they have a very sporadic offense and a non-existent bullpen, and and you've got to have all three of those components unless you know you get you know Kyle Hendricks to go nine innings you know every outing he he makes you know and, and saves the bullpen you know they've spent how many millions of dollars thirty eight or forty three on Kimbrel and we have a closer that can't close mm-hmm. he earned his first save last night and I think that was a charity mission. Uh, you know, and, and, and you bring up an interesting point saying that all, a lot of teams focus on offense more so than pitching. Uh, Ken and Alex, both of you have said that now. There's one team that is uh, glaring uh, that they need help pitching, and that's the New York Yankees. I know a lot of yeah. people pend them in as the, the favorites, and that's a that's they've always had the mom's mindset that they're just going to bomb you and beat you. That's that's their, been their mindset since they've started. But uh, or since uh, Boone has taken over and Judge and Stanton have been there, but uh, they gave Garrett Cole what three hundred million dollars and James Paxton is now going down with uh, tightness in his elbow and uh, 
who is that? Uh, Severino's out, and they got issues with Herman that in this offseason. That that starting staff got uh, short real quick, and uh, you're starting to see that uh, that you can't just rely on offense, especially in New York. So I don't know your guys' thoughts on that, but I, I'm concerned about the Yankees. Well, so, my initial, oh, go ahead. Yeah, I'm sorry. No worries. Um, I completely agree with that because at the beginning of at this offseason, everybody knew that the that when they signed Cole, that okay, they just signed an ace. They just signed someone that is going to anchor that rotation. The problem is you take a look at everything else, and normally my idea is that if you sign an ace, it brings everyone down one slot, which makes every slot better. But the problem is then you have to deal with injuries where you have Severino who is out. The Yankees are starting to learn why the Mariners traded James Paxton in the first place. It wasn't because of talent. It was because his body is made of paper. And that's kind of what you're looking at here is that, yes, Cole is a great pitcher, but you've got to have that supporting cast around him. It's in, like in a lot of other sports. In baseball, is the biggest part of that. Yes, it's great to have an ace, but he's going to be pitching one out of every five, every six days. I, I said exactly the same thing earlier in one of the chats that we have here at OTH, um, and I'll have to I'll have to edit the language a little bit, but but I basically said the Yankees royally screwed up when they signed Garrett Cole to that deal. It's phenomenal that he can go out and pitch like he pitches every fifth day, but that does nothing for the six or seven relievers they need every game who are pitching every day and, and can't hold up. I, I said I said this as soon as Severino went down. I was on the train that the Yankees didn't have enough pitching. I said they have the biggest, most stinkiest poop Sunday with the brightest cherry on the top in Garrett Cole. They, they, that underbelly of the rotation until Chapman comes back, the bullpen isn't great. Britain's been a nice pick-me-up in that pen, but it hasn't been uh, great for them. I don't know your guys' thoughts on it. I well, think that the Yankees have a lot. Oh, I'm sorry. Go for it. Um, you oh, I, I, here, this will be a real quick one. My first reaction when we brought up the Yankees was I am so glad that right now my little buddy Luke Garrison isn't here because he'd be blowing his mind. <laughs> Your turn. That, that, that's fair. Yeah, that's fair. So the thing is that I really like what I see from a lot of the Yankees, as much as I am not a much much of a fan of the Yankees, they still have some really good pieces. I mean, the offense is good, but it's kind of the same problem as the Angels. The offense is good, but where's the pitching? And the pitching was supposed to be good. I mean, on paper, again, coming into the season, like I said, it looked fantastic. You could not have a better starting three than Garrett Cole, James Paxton, Luis Severino. On paper, when healthy, those three make a one-two-three punch that is scary. The problem is, Paxton, as as I am extremely well aware of, has injury concerns, and so does Severino, and that's was shown this year. And there's a there's always going to be a difference between what looks good on paper and what happens in real life. I mean, as the San Diego Padres, that. I, now that's interesting. I think the are you talking about this year's Padres now? Oh no, I'm talking about a couple years ago. Padres. Oh. The Padres for the last couple years have been like the paper champions of the MLB, making amazing off seasons and then doing nothing with it. But now this season's a lot different because Fernando Tatis is becoming one of the best players of baseball. And, and that brings me into my next point: Is he your guys' NL MVP? <sighs> Oh, 
I don't know. That... He took quite a beating for hitting that home run the other night. <laughs> oh, come on. So the... I, the short answer is it's close. The reason for that is because there's one other name that gets to me, and I cannot shrug him off just yet. And that's Charlie Blackman. Oh. Charlie Blackman has had an amazing year so far this season. I mean, right now, he is batting 418, and it was not too long ago that he was batting at 500. He was out batting certain baseball baseball teams in number of hits. And just see one player do that is absolutely incredible. Again, right now he has a 418 batting average, a 458 OP, oh, on base percentage, an OPS of over 1,000, 24 RBIs. I mean, you take a look at RBI totals in the in baseball right now. He's third right now, only behind Tatis and Anthony Santander. By the way, Anthony Santander, the Baltimore Orioles, one of the other biggest surprises. But with Charlie Blackman, he's always been kind of that guy that people have liked. Like, oh, yeah, he's a solid offensive producer out in the outfield for the Rockies. But this year, when you have a batting average at over 400, even with this shortened season, that's nothing short of incredible. Now, and that's so interesting. Oh, I don't really, mean it's... No, I apologize. It's really close between Fernando Tatis and Charlie Blackman. If I had to pick today, it's going to be Tatis. I, I didn't mean to interrupt you there, but I have a different left-handed bat that I kind of jumped off the page. I mean, it wasn't Charlie Blackman. I feel he kind of gets lost in the shuffle. And, Alex, I think you can relate to this. Maybe it's just my Central and East Coast bias. But I, I West Coast baseball is not like a, as predominant of a – sport to watch is uh, East Coast and Central Baseball around Illinois and Michigan and all of that. I don't know if that's that. I kind of forget about Blackman, but there's a guy on the East Coast by the name of Juan Soto that's also hitting four, four set, four, above 400. Mm-hmm. You know, I know he's been limited games, but seven homers, 16 RBIs. He's got a 500 on base percentage, a 938 slugging. That's that's nothing to scoff at either. And uh, uh, well, I, and I, I, feel... I wouldn't deny Soto, but I was just looking at his stats. I mean, he's only had 48 at bats this year. I mean, that's a pretty small I, sample size. I, I I understand that as well, and I don't know if we can hold the whole he was out with COVID above his head or or not. But I just know that he hasn't been. Uh, he he has not. He's exceeded expectations for this year. I should say uh, out in Washington. Now, I, I personally, I give Juan Soto a pass on the COVID deal. I mean, uh, Miles Michaelis and um, Mike Clevenger, not so much. Yeah, that well, that was a that was a mistake in, in Cleveland, especially with your your manager that has had survived cancer and as well as a, a teammate in Carrasco. So I, I thought that was pretty stupid. But that's a that's a discussion for another day. Yeah. Ken, who do you quick, got as your? Oh, go ahead. You know, go ahead. Sorry. About I, I just started. I just started to say. You know, I, I I'm really amazed though talking about Clevenger and Plesac. Um, the amount of the, of open backlash that's coming from that clubhouse. I mean, I forget who it was the other day said if you if you're gonna let him play, I'm opting out right now. You know, and I and I, I for the life of me, I can't remember which player said it, but but there's been more than one apparently that that you know are saying, look, if you're gonna let them back, we're just gonna opt out. You know, so what are the Indians gonna do? I mean, it's not like Clevenger is you know some you know guy that you know usually boasts you know an 852 era you know it's not like he's a you know he's a substitute outfielder plays you know every every 10 days you know so so how do the indians get past that hey i i don't know i saw that they sent them down and i i i don't know i don't know how to react to that because i mean there has to be and 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 we we were talking about how 
bad of a job that Manfred has done. Uh, it doesn't seem like there's protocols for players breaking protocol, if that makes sense. Clevener uh, yeah. and Plesak going out and, and, and contracting the virus. Uh, it, they seem to have no regard for it. They, you got to have some sort of you got to have some sort of punishment for that. You, you just can't you can't do that. I, I don't know your guys' thoughts on the matter, but th- there should be some sort of suspension. No, or... Absolutely a suspension because not only you know are they jeopardizing you know their teammates you know uh, and and like you said between you know Carrasco and, and management, there's two high risk cases in that dugout. You know, but you know and and let's you know not you know forget for a minute that they're jeopardizing you know their families, you know their their teammates, the umpires the the camera crews that are that are close enough to home plate to be within uh, striking distance of a sneeze or a cough, you know, or the umpires, you know, they have jeopardized not only all of that but the game of baseball. How many more of these, uh, you know, canceled series do you think were going to occur before there was going to be no way to make them up and they were going to have to pull the plug on the season? You know, as far as the Cardinals are concerned, after what Miles Michaelis and Gant did, I would have I would have said, you know what, you forfeit all those games. And if you happen to be the team that was playing the Cardinals, you know, or the Marlins when the, you know when it happened to them, you know, uh, you know, and their guys went out to, to a strip club. That's real smart, even in the best of conditions, you know. But but at some point in time, they're not going to be able to make up these games. And, and and Manford should have put his foot down and quit being the little crybaby and 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 everything else that he is, and said, you know what, you guys forfeit, period. And if the Cubs happen to have, you know, had been playing the Cardinals for those three games, you know what? The Cubs get three more wins. You know, if, if your team didn't didn't benefit from any forfeitures, I'm sorry. You'll have to play a little harder, you know, or go visit St. Louis and you'll probably get a, you know, get a get a break too. You know, but I think it's ridiculous that he lets these players get away with the things that he does. And and I don't mean to bring in another sport to this, but the NBA, they you see that they punish the, or not punish, but the team, the team coaches do not play the guys that go out into the bubble. They're forced to quarantine. I wouldn't call it a suspension, but like they're, they're forced to quarantine. So it's kind of like a in bubble suspension. They, and, and Manfred sees how some of these other leagues are being ran successfully and there's protocols in place. And he just does not act on any of that, which, which surprises I, me. Manfred I mean, has his own agenda. Have, we could have a conversation for you hours and hours about what Manfred has happened as I has happened what he's done in this whole scenario especially when you go back and talk about the Astros and talk about what he's done for COVID and all this but also there's just a lot that this season itself is going to go down in history books with an asterisk just because this is a 60 game season as opposed to 162 and we're going to have all these games that are now no longer even full length. They're double. They're seven inning double headers. So now, how hashtag how little league even full games? I just it's We're it's un- unbelievable. No, no, I was just I was just saying that how unbelievable how he acted upon. Uh, I mean, I really liked your opinion that the teams that forfeited the games uh should should lose i mean they they made a decision upon those those teams and that and they have to ride with that and that's a consequence that players would think twice about going out again you know so you know i'm going to tell you my take on this is that rob manford sells his soul for for his own agenda and that agenda as we as we were all talking about before is 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 predicated on on pace of play First of all, we've got seven inning doubleheaders. Now, under the circumstances, I understand 
you know, why they felt the need to shorten the games up, you know, for the double headers this year, because, you know, with rain outs and, and everything else, there were likely to be a lot of them. Okay. But when you have teams like the Cardinals, you know, who go out to a casino and then pose for selfies with fans, you know, and then have the whole team quarantine and have two, what do they have? Two or three seasons or uh, series canceled. You know, something's got to be done about that. How is that fair to the Cubs who just played them five times in three days? Cubs didn't go out and do anything wrong. Cubs haven't had a positive COVID test. But now they have to work their bullpen and bring up, you know, additional starters and everything else. And they're already short of starters with Quintana out um, and now Chatwood. You know, so now the Cubs are paying the price for the Cardinals players' indiscretions. And that's not right. No more right than it was to allow the Houston Astros to keep a World Series trophy that they didn't earn. As we said, Manfred could do four hours on the guy. Um I, and, and, and the worst part of it is, Ken, and if, if they do punish the Cardinals for doing that, the media would immediately – I personally feel like the media would immediately be like, well, the Astros weren't punished. It's two completely well, different situations. Yeah, it's two different Yes, it is. And, and in both cases, he screwed up by not punishing anybody. The only difference being in the case of the World Series – or in the, uh, in the case of the trash can banging, he sold out – his integrity in exchange for confessions. If you tell me what really happened so that we don't have to really dig all that deep, I'll give you guys immunity. Baloney. You know, so, you know what, let me do this, guys. I need some cash. Let me go rob the bank real quick. I'll go right to the police station and say, look, I confess, you know, this is a plan. We're a little short of cash, so you're not going to arrest me, right? You know, what sense does that make? It's, it's 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 unbelievable. It's all of it has been unbelievable. This whole season has been unbelievable, and that and that's kind of what we're we're hinting at with all the breakout players and the fact that the Baltimore Orioles are are still in contention somehow. So, and, and you know, you guys asked me a few minutes ago, and we got sidetracked about about uh, MVP. I don't know that he's that he's going to be MVP material, but I'll tell you who my my absolute breakout player um, for the National League would be this year, and it would be Ian Happ. That's a good. That's call. understandable. I had That's nothing good. but terrible things to write about Hap for I don't know how long. Um, oh, bad, bad things. My my editor at the time had to like go, no, Ken, you can't say that. Ken, you can't do this. Ken, don't say that. Um, well, he finally got the idea that I wasn't going to let up, and the worse Hap got, the more I got away with. Um, but uh, when he got sent to AAA last year, I thought that was going to be Elmora's big break to get the everyday center fielder job, which he does absolutely – is, is qualified for defensively. Um, but when Hap came back from Iowa last year and started hitting the ball, oh, my God. You know, and then, then we come into this season and they announced Chris Bryant is going to be the leadoff man. Well, why not? Bryant's batting 175. You know, meanwhile, Hap's batting, I don't know, 310 with I don't know how many home runs and RBIs and, you know. 315 with six homers. Hap is batting 315 with six homers. Yes. Okay, let me look real quick. As long as you looked up half for me, I'll look up Brian for everybody else. Brian is batting 177 and 62 at bats. Oh he has four RBI, four RBIs, two home runs, and uh, an OBP of 369 with an uh, with a slugging percentage of 488. Oh wait a minute, nope, no, no, no. Let me take all that back. I was looking at the wrong line. Let's try 177, a 271 OBP, a 323 slugging percentage, and an OPS of 594. And he is the Cubs' leadoff man. Are you kidding me? That is the only thing I have taken issue with David Ross over, and I won't stop taking issue until they either trade Bryant by the end of the month or or figure out that Ian Happ is the guy that needs to be in the leadoff spot. 
you're bringing up a, another thing we, we we talked very in depth about before recording is is the trade market um and i and i i open this to the floor is is there a name you think that is going to be traded before this deadline uh uh, what's the biggest name I should ask, and then a surprising name you guys would be shocked to see uh, traded? Uh, I, I honestly think the Cubs have got to shop Bryant. Uh, they have to. I think that's a very smart play at this point. Well, <sighs> after he lost, after he lost his his uh, service time grievance, which which I, I don't even know why he fought it. It was going to happen. The Cubs may have done something unethical, but they didn't do anything illegal. All right, there's a big difference between the two. Um, Brian is a very um, pro-Cubs player. Uh, he may be better on the inside, but he is very team-friendly on the outside, says he wants to stay there. But you and I and, and the world know that Scott Boris is never going to let that happen. Never. He's going he's gonna to put a Bryce Harper price tag on Chris Bryant, and Brian ain't going to do no better for that $300 million than Harper's doing for his. I, I, so, so I ask you, I ask you, where, where, where do you think he gets traded then? That's a good question. Um, I, I would, I would have to look around a little bit. Um, you know, as I, as I've told you guys that I've made no secret about, I'm far more a National League fan than I am an American League fan. Um, so as a result, I'm not nearly as familiar with who needs what on that side. Um, but I, I think that, that what needs to be done is I think Bryant is going to need to go somewhere where he can either um, focus on his hitting in a DH role, um, uh, give somebody a third baseman that they need. And, and he's not awful in left field or right field. So he, he could, you know, he could fulfill that role too. Um, in the interim, though, I also think the Cubs have to get rid of Jose Quintana. He's been on the downswing for two years. Um, he was like Joe Madden. He was just what the Cubs needed when they got him. Um, and he's kind of fallen, you know, from that little pedestal he was on. Um, I think Elmora needs to go. He's not going to get enough playing time, especially with Ian Happ playing the way he is. And, and with Ross coming out and calling Ian Happ the everyday center fielder, you know, Elmora's getting an inning and a half every two or three games, you know, trade that kid, let him, let him flourish somewhere else, you know, where he can play every day. You know, and I and I also wouldn't be surprised to see, you know, one of the other big names go this season. So for the big name that come, that jumps out at me right now, at the very least, and again, this is a very may may not type thing. I see the name JT Realmuto be tossed around a lot. JT Realmuto for the Philadelphia Phillies is having a good year ish right now. Batting 264 and OPS though of near about 946. Right now, according to MLB.com. But he's been known as one of the best catchers in baseball right now, at the very least. And right now, do the Phillies, from what I know, he's coming up on contract time. And he's going to make it, he's going to command a lot of money for what he's. He's a good contact bat, he's a good leader as a catcher. But for JT Realmuto and for the Phillies, do they think that he is the answer to the long term, long term future? Or are they saying that this year itself is just going to be too weird and then try for 2021 and then risk him walking? Well, he's a free agent after the season. He's only signed for one year for $10 million. Got um, it. So, so he's already in his walk year. So the question is, do the, do the um, Phillies try to divert you know, some of what they spent on Bryce Harper, who, I, I don't know, guys, at least in my opinion, hasn't lived up to – 
near what they're paying oh, him. Oh, 100%. Oh, 100%. Uh, I, he's batting 349 right now with, with five home runs and 15 RBIs, you know, which isn't awful for, you know, for whatever, 20 games or whatever they played, you know. But, I mean, his numbers really aren't all that impressive, you know, compared to how Boris shopped him and, and how Boris is going to shop, you know, well, or shopped Garrett Cole and is going to shop um, Chris Bryant and everybody else, you know, as far as, as far as an agent's job is concerned, Scott Boris is the best. There's no doubt about it. He gets oh, his players no played, question. you know, paid, but, but, but to what expense to the team, you know, there was talk about uh, Harper going to the Cubs for a little while because him and Bryant are allegedly buddies, you know, and I, I actually Wait, know a little backstory together. I actually get, I actually know a little backstory about that, that, that most of that big friendship they have is a facade. And I know that from an insider. They they knew each other young. They didn't really hang out. They played a little ball together. But when Chris Bryant came to the majors, um, you know, and Bryce Harper, Boris saw a golden opportunity to market them as big friends, and that is the backstory to their to their friendship. It's all shocker. Shocker was all, for all Boris is good. All the sales boy, <laughs> and, and all I will tell you is that came from from. A, a player's agent that I'm friends with. That, I mean, that uh, you have to do that as an agent, but because what, at what point does that also take? If a team, if a player hires Scott Boris, how much more likely is a team to stay away from trying to sign that player, knowing that they're going to demand a monstrous payday, and Boris is going to be the guy that's able to get that? Like that's uh, something I've always yeah. kind of figured out. Well, in, in my in my opinion, Tom Ricketts has already closed his checkbook to anything Scott Boris has to say. Mm-hmm. Um, the about the only project that Scott Boris flopped on was Addison Russell, but we all know the story of that too. Yeah. So mm-hmm. now I don't know. Apparently, he's being represented by Boris and Korea, but it, you know, I don't I don't foresee Addison Russell coming back to, uh, to Major League Baseball anytime soon. Probably not. I'd hope. I'd hope not. I I know that's, and I don't mean to throw another league under the the bus, but that's a very NFL thing to do, if if so. So. You know, but the problem is it's it's becoming more, and obviously we all agree that's hyperbole. We it's it's not a good thing mm-hmm. for anybody to do, but unfortunately it's becoming more and more the norm in baseball. You know, and what what he did, or or what Chapman did, um, or what Ozuna did. Are, are timid compared to what Felipe Vasquez did last year. Yes, and and, and he does, and, he, and he's not in the league anymore. If that's correct, right? No, he's Vasquez, in jail. He's in jail. Yeah, I was gonna say. And he's admitted to multiple felonies. Um, and for anybody who might not know, that included um, uh, admitting to possessing child porn from a teenage girl that he was sexually involved with. I think she was 14 or 15. Um, and uh, a whole host of other things, but no, no, he might like, uh, Oh, like wild thing for major league. He might be playing for like, you know, California penal next year, but nowhere else. <laughs> but no, I, 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 I you're real Muto is back to what you were saying. Alex Remuto is not a Boris guy. Is he? I don't uh, think he is. Let me look. Uh, I can tell you in a second. Because sounds good. That'd be good. Cause if because he is, I, then I would say trade him immediately. Yeah, I, if he is, then you're not gonna want to you're not going to touch that contract. I I like Ramuto. He's been a great catcher. He hits for average. He's above average behind the dish. But I wouldn't 
anything he asked for is too much money, if you ask me. So. I, no, yeah, I completely agree. I mean, Zach Britton is another one of those names. Oh, and yeah. Real, Real Muto is not a Boris baby. Okay, loves, so then maybe. A sports. So then maybe he will stay with the Phillies. But if he was a Boris client, in my opinion, if he was a Boris client at this moment and they're thinking about trading with one year to walk, I would pull the trigger on anything you can get as long as it's a decent return value. Yep, I, I agree. I, I got a couple other names that I personally think would be good under-the-radar moves. Uh, Mitch Moreland in Boston. Boston's been an absolute mess this year, but uh, Moreland's hitting above 300. He's a good power bat from the left side. Uh, if, if, if a team needs a, a veteran first baseman, a veteran DH even, he's, he's a good left-handed bat that uh, is a possibility. And another guy that kind of we were talking about possibly coming back, uh, Trevor Rosenthal would be a good option for any other. I'm looking at I'm looking at the Yankees possibly getting him for uh, more mm-hmm. bullpen help. And uh, Robbie Ray is uh, another guy that possibly could be a Yankee by the end of this. I know he struggled, though. So. Yeah, and as far as Moreland is concerned, I mean, my issue with him would be he's going to be 35 in just a couple of weeks, um, oh. September, September 6th to be exact. And the Red Sox do have a team option on him for 2021. I, I do see that. I just looking at how the much Red that, Sox. How much is that team option worth? Oh, give me a second. You guys talk. I'll be your secretary. As uh, <laughs> <laughs> I just thought you had already had because you were just talking about it. As, no, two as, different screens. <laughs> but for Boston, I mean, they're they're what are they? Six and seventeen, six and eighteen now. Uh, they are one of the probably worst surprises. Seven and eighteen. They're one of probably the worst surprises in baseball this year. Um for a team that has struggled. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked if they traded anybody, to be honest with you, with the exclusion of maybe like Bogart's endeavors. What about, what do you think about Chris Sale being traded? Moreland's current deal is 10 million for this year, uh, 3 million for next or a 500,000 buyout. I might, I might pull the trigger on him. If you need a bat, like I'm trying to think of a team. I, I, there's, Few and far between teams that need bats right now, but looking at a team like the Indians are, are not hitting very much, uh, but he'd probably go NL. Brewers could use a bat. I know Smoke's been okay, but I don't know your guys' thoughts on his fit. But I, I back to what I was saying, I think the Red Sox, anyone and everyone should be available, Alex. Yeah, I think that Chris Sale, if we're talking about anyone and anyone being available, I think Chris Sale is a very realistic piece to be traded about. Yeah, but I don't, and that's going to get it. That's going to get a monster haul. But really, is anybody available? Because or everybody available? Because last year they did that with Mookie Betts and David Price, and look where Boston is today. No, yeah, I. I that, well, it they're farm system isn't great at all am i mistaken to say that i get them in yankees farm system confused because they're both out east red sox farm system's not probably one of the worst in the league right now that they well they traded for price and bets but uh, you got to build young again i i I think and moreland is going to be as you said 35 next year try to salvage that for some young pieces yeah, Moreland will be turning 36 next season. Oh, he'll be, 36. He'll be, yeah, he'll, he'll be 35 be, this and just, season. Yeah, just yeah. a couple of weeks. So, yeah, so, I mean, I, I'd try to get off him. There's got to be someone willing to take on, what was it, $3 million next year for a guy that hits righties pretty well looking at his splits. So, 
I don't know. I don't know. I, I wouldn't be shocked to see the Red Sox make any moves, to be honest with you guys. So. Um, I have one more name I'd like to bring up, and it's actually from my mirror. It's a little more of an under-the-radar move, I think. But D. Gordon is another Ooh. player that, for my Mariners, is, I've, is in my opinion, as red alert trade uh, written all over him. He's a good... He's like he's a good infielder, still got pretty solid speed. Again, not the speed that he had first year with the Mirrors or with the Marlins or with the Dodgers speed, but still solid speed and a fantastic glove in the infield. It's also been converted. Now he has outfield eligibility as well. But on top, and this is the big thing with me, and that I think could the Mirrors should be using in order to try to get a little more trade value out of him, is that while he may be getting a bit old, he is a he is clubhouse candy. He is able to jump into any clubhouse and turn it into a better environment. And that's something that a lot of groups, a lot of ball clubs are always trying to work with. They're always looking for people that can blend in with the chemistry. Yeah, Nick Gordon is someone that can really work with that. I, but from what I see this season, you've got the same problem with him as you do with Chris Bryant. He, right now, Gordon has a minus 0.5 war and batting 119. In he's also played only half. He's played very few games from what I can tell as well right now he's no longer part the problem right now is that this is the time that the Mariners have to try and trade him there he's not part of the infield building forward he's not part of the outfield building forward again the Mariners infield is already set in stone and probably will be set in stone barring injury for the next few years yeah and with Jerry Depoto there's no telling what that man will do oh no yeah no yeah Trader Joe is gonna be fantastic and that's kind of the joke around here but I have a feeling that there are some teams that if if anything, it's not going to be a big move that's going to, say, command some amazing prospects and all that kind of stuff. He's, But he's a guy that if a team is looking for a good piece that can help out on defense around middle infield, maybe even outfield if need be, or if they need the guy that can do pinch running, that can help out the clubhouse number one first and foremost, he's a guy that's a low-risk buy, in my opinion. Yeah, and well, it's I right. Think as of right now, in 2021, they have an option on him for $14 million or a buyout for one. That buyout's going to happen. <laughs> You're not paying D. Gordon $14 million. But I'm talking about, again, for we're talking about trade de- deadline, which is buying for this year. Buying for this year, and he's a guy that can help out any ball club with his presence. You know, I, 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 I see him, or, or I don't know. Mariners too well as I said I don't watch much West Coast but Kyle Seager is a name that uh, I know he just got signed to a contract but uh, that would be a name if he got moved I wouldn't be like oh my gosh I'm I wouldn't be shocked if he gets moved but so I I would be and I'll explain why real quickly the infield right now is rookie rookie sophomore Seager right now when you got got Evan White's Shedlong Jr. J.P. Crawford Kyle Seager. Kyle Seager right now is the longest tenured Mariner since since King Felix Hernandez is gone. They need at least some bit of veteran presence on that team, and they are fully relying on Kyle Seager to be that. I don't think they are shopping him as much, I think, that they were last year. But now that he's kind of proven that, all right, well, I guess I'm the leader now. He's done a very good job of being the leader. They're going to try and keep him. They're not – is he part of the future – say, four years down the road? No. But is he part of the future for the next two years? Being a solid defensive third baseman where the bat is starting to come around again right now, I think he's part of that future for the next couple of years. At the very least, 
to help teach the young guys. He's got yep. an infield full of rookies, and he's Again, doing a good job of crowding all of them. He's in his age 32 season right now. Uh, next year, he's uh, still signed for $18.5 million, and the team has him for $15 million or a uh, up to a buy uh, buyout of $3 million based on his performance for 2022. Okay. I mean, that still kind of works exactly with what I'm talking about, that he is for the next couple of years at the very least. But right now, the number one thing that the Mariners need right now is some veteran presence. They don't have that. Seager is what they have to work with, and I don't see them getting rid of it. They have a little – that's their only veteran. The rest of the team is young, and they need someone that can help teach these kids how to be major league ball players. And Seager has, is that kind of guy, in my opinion. No, there's certainly nothing wrong with veteran leadership, um, you know, and, and again, you look around and obviously, you know, every team has them and, and it hurts every team to some extent when they leave. Um, that's about the only uh, redeeming value that Daniel Descalzo has for the Cubs. I mean, he's been just a train wreck and why the Cubs didn't DFA him or release him or attempt to trade him. I have no idea. But he's he's constantly suffering from the phantom injuries, and, and his leadership skills are, are really all he had. You know, he can't play second base anymore. He can't run anymore. He can't hit worth a damn. You know, but yet, you know, he was another one of those veteran leaders, you know, in, in the clubhouse. You know, you know, and, and you know, teams are going to need guys like that, especially going back to the Cubs where you're you're likely going to lose John Lester after this year. You're likely not going to see Anthony Rizzo um, – next year if 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 and if not then certainly not after next season's over you won't see them you know and the cubs have got that same problem where they don't have a lot of um defined veteran leaders who are going to be with the team for any amount of time i i i i agree and and we were talking you know anthony rizzo's another guy that you said is going to end up uh, uh his contract's ending soon Guys like Schwarber, Contreras, Baez, guys that have been, I, I wouldn't say longtime Cubs, but probably leaders in the clubhouse. Um, and I asked you this before, and I'll ask you again. Uh, out of those guys, who, who as a fan would you like to see the Cubs really push to keep uh, in the locker room in that, in that lineup? Um, you know, that's such a hard question because, as, as I was saying before, you know, when it comes to Javi Baez, um, you know, he, he earned himself the nickname El Mago, the magician. Um, and, and for, you know, so many years, um, you know, 16, 17, even into 18, you know, he was just mesmerizing to watch, you know, in whether, you know, whether defensively at the plate or on base, I mean, he would get so far into a pitcher's head that they would do stupid things and allow him to just take bases, you know, but all of a sudden he's lost that magic. And I don't know why, you know, and the Cubs, as we were talking about earlier, their number one job this year, and they made it, you know, no bones about it, was to extend Baez, you know, which which ultimately irked Rizzo and a lot of fans because Rizzo's on a very, very, very friendly team deal, and he's finally looking for that extension, and the Cubs aren't going to pay him what he wants. They're going to let him walk. They're going to say, thanks for your service. Thanks for the cheap paycheck. Best of luck to you. Um, I see Rizzo being gone. I don't want to see them get rid of Javi. However... Um, well, they can't get rid of Bryant fast enough to please me. 
Um, however, I, I, Wilson Contreras, as I was saying, is another one. He plays with such heart and such emotion, you know, and, and he is so well, his pitch framing is lousy, but it but it's improving some. And well, if they go to the electronic strike zone, that won't matter anyway. Um, but but Contreras is a guy that I that I really like to see stay. Um, you know, if they can't keep Javi as well, and and I think you're going to see Javi gone before you see Contreras gone. Interesting. Especially with the emergence of Nico Horner. Yes. Yeah, that's that's I I, I I you know we bring up all these Cubs and I, he's a guy that I just kind of gets lost in the shuffle. I mean I I guess that goes and speaks for the talent that the Cubs have in that in that uh, lineup and roster there. So. Well, <laughs> I think the way the Cubs is going to be, they're they're trending toward a younger and most importantly cheap and controllable team. You know they they just signed Bodie to a team friendly extension. Hendricks latched on to a decent deal for the next few years. Um, they still have, well, Darvish is getting older, but they still have him for the next couple of years. Um, Hayward, I don't know, that guy's going to be there until like 2070. Um, and still not earning his paycheck. Um, but but you're going to see Nico Horner. You're going to see Victor Caratini. You're going to see Ian Happ. You're going to see, um, uh, oh, geez, so many youngsters. I mean, um you know, a lot of the bullpen is young. Rowan Wick's doing a good job. Um, uh, Kyle Ryan's struggling this year, but he's controllable for a number of years yet and, and had been doing a good job up to this point. Um, Brad Wick is is decent. Um, you know, and, and you're going to see, I think you're going to see the Cubs trend towards avoiding these big free agent ex, uh, extensions or signings you know, or, or team extensions, whatever the case may be. And they're going to try and do a younger, controllable, and cheap ball club, which is just the Cubs' way. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Well, look at the, what, the will, Ops, look at what the Epstein did to build for 2016. He, yeah. he raped the farm system, you know, to win the World Series. And by God, he did it. You know, but look at the price the Cubs are paying now. Alzale is supposed to be their top pitching prospect. He pitched well last night, um, but I don't see him, you know, being, you know, in the starting three in any rotation for for a long time to come. Um, Miguel Amaya is their number one catching prospect. You know, Amaya had some appearances over spring training the last couple of years, and he hasn't shown me anything. You know, so right now the Cubs are reeling from everything they sold off, you know, to get to 2016, but now they're having to pay the piper because that whole young core that they built then is now all coming due for free agency. Yep. I, 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 I agree with you. I agree with you. I mean, the Cubs, the Cubs have always been, I don't want to call them, they've always skimped kind of, but, uh, I don't know a better word. They they skimp on a lot of money deals. You saw it with Rizzo. I mean, they, Rizzo took a team from the contract though, so I guess I can't really say that. But yeah, Ken, you're absolutely right. And uh, Epstein did raid the the AAA, and you saw losing, and it cost you. Who is it? Did you send Torres over to the Cubs or who? To the Sox, yeah. Uh, well, Gleyber Torres went over or there. Or the Yankees. No, Torres. Uh, yeah, he went to the Yankees for. Chapman. Uh, is that when they picked up Chapman? And then uh, you guys sent somebody to Chap to the Yankees for Chapman, and then Chapman just ended up sending with the Yankees again, which you're absolutely and that and that and that kind of solidifies what you were saying about 
uh, uh, Epstein going all in on 2016. So. Well, and look what they've done this year. I mean, you know, again, uh, another insider story. Brandon Kinsler was by far and away the best reliever they had in that pen last year. Period. No question, no argument, don't even try. Okay. I know for a fact that Kinsler wanted to stay with the Cubs. The Cubs wanted to keep him. And all they could get out of Theo Epstein and Tom Ricketts for Kinsler after his year last year was a million dollars for this year. And after so long of begging and pleading um, with Theo Epstein, they finally upped the ante to $1.5 million, and Kinsler was going to take it until the Marlins and one other team, I forget who else, came in with a $3 million offer. Um, but he, you know, he basically said, I, I've got to take this, you know, with my numbers last year, you know, I just can't do it for a million and a half dollars, you know, but he wanted to stay with the team. And yet that's all the Cubs were going to offer him was a million bucks until they, until they, you know, uh, negotiated and got to a million five, you know, and, you know, and, and from what I know, and I know it firsthand, um, you know, Theo Epstein was very apologetic and very gracious through the whole, uh, you know, um, uh, you know, salary discussion process, um, but just said, there's just nothing I can do, you know? So as a result, what do we have? Strope needed to go. He had, he was falling apart. Uh, Kinsler's gone. Brandon Morrow. I don't know whatever happened there. That there's a guy that, you know, hurt himself while trying to install a pair of pants. Um, but they spent, you know, 20 some million dollars on Morrow who pitched all of like 30 games, you know, in three seasons. Um, you know, and, and as a result, all they have now in that bullpen are rookies and Tommy John survivors. That's all they have. Your turn. I don't really have much else to. I think you've kind of covered all of it. Like my thing with a lot of these teams, and like especially with the Cubs, is that. They've got almost kind of the same similar problem as what the Yankees have, what the Angels have, where there's a lot of good pieces on offense, but the pitching, you almost, again, you do skip on a lot of it. And that's kind of why we've, because we were talking before this broadcast about John Lester and about you Darvish specifically, to where there's a lot of money that's being put into that offense that needs to not be put into that offense. And there's a lot of money being put into that defense, into that pitching staff, that should not be putting into like we're talking before this about whether or not to keep John Lester after this part of the so after uh, excuse me for when it comes to the next year of the option uh, because it's going to be a ten million dollar buyout or twenty five million dollar option right and and, and this year, Lester I mean thus far you know he's at a plus point six WAR he's got a two and zero record and a two seventy four ERA. So does he have another year in him? I think with the shortened season, he might, you know, it, he might be worth that extra $15 million, you know, for the Cubs to keep him that last year. But who's to say, you know, if they couldn't I, give up, a, you know, $3 million for Kinsler, what's going to make him give up $15 million for Lester, who's going to be 37 before the next season starts? So with Lester, we've seen him be both absolutely amazing and absolutely terrible. And do you really want to risk $25 million or, in the case of buyout versus not, $15 million on having a guy that could be good? Or is he just going to completely wreck the rotation? 
And that's why, personally, I don't think it's worth it. I think you take that buyout, and then you just let them go. Let, let someone else take that position, especially if, like we were talking about earlier, if they're going to be going towards this rebuild. Well, Lester has said that if he cannot finish his career in Chicago, he would just as soon go back to Boston. Now, does Boston want to take a chance on him? <laughs> I would not. <laughs> you know, I mean, he's not going to play for $3 million, I can tell you that. Nope. You know, although with a $10 million buyout, I mean, he's certainly got a lot more, more wiggle room, you know, considering his age and, you know, whatever kind of season he can put together this year. You know. Exactly. Exactly. He's going to try and if he does not finish with Chicago, then, yeah, I think he's going to try Boston. But I think he's not going to get the money that he wants and he's going to be a free agent in 2021 until about the uh, until about just before the trade deadline and then someone will pay him a shortened amount of money for the rest of the season so you think he's going to do like a craig kimbrell bryce harper type yeah i completely think that's exactly what's going to happen and you know and like you said lester can be you know just balls to the wall or he can be why did you even get out of the bullpen today you know yeah. there's just there, there's no in between there's really no in between well and also, that's, the problem, that's the problem with the team in general their offense is the same way it's either score 20 runs or score nothing mm-hmm. yep so with with that again also can he throw the first base that's always the joke but you know i I don't think that he's going to be worth it for the Cubs to keep for this long period, for any sort of period of time, really, at this point, especially when it comes to that one-year option. I'd rather save the ten, like the $15 million and just say, all right, thank you for your services. We wish you luck on your future endeavors. But, uh, like, because at that point, like we talked about earlier, if you keep him on that roster, you are going to be able, it's like you're going to be able to give another person that spot if he's gone. You keep him on there, you're taking away that spot from another player that could help you out more. It could be at least a little bit more guaranteed or a young guy that at least can get some playing time in. Well, and, you know, for $15 million, I mean, because they're going to spend the 10 either way. You know, mm-hmm. so for that extra $15 million, I mean, you're not going to buy, you know, a Garrett Cole, you know, no. but but you might get, you know, uh, something younger and, and, you know, that's got some fire left in him. I mean, Lester's velocity is way down. I mean, he's not throwing a whole lot faster than Kyle Hendricks is, you know, at this point. So, uh, you know, for $15 million, I'm, I'm, I'm certain you can upgrade. But the Absolutely. joke is that point. You could just be he's got the Jared Weaver fastball that still has yet to cross home plate. Yeah. So. Well, well, I don't know. They've got, they've got some decisions to make, though. Absolutely. And right, and right along with them is Jose Quintana, who's also got an option for next year. Absolutely. Well, we're going on an hour, guys, and uh, I just this was our uh, our debut episode. I want to thank you guys for coming on once again. Ken Allison at Ken Allison 18, and Alex Clark at the Sport Guy 242. Did I get that right, Alex? Uh, the Sports Guy, but yeah, you're you're close. You're okay, good. sorry, <laughs> sorry, I didn't have it. The Sports Guy. Yep, I got it. Uh, sports good. Guy 242 on Twitter. Um, once again, this is Cheap Seats Chatter. This is kind of what we'll be doing. We'll do our episodes going four times a week. Ken's the leader of the Central. Alex's the leader of the West. Unfortunately, we didn't have any of our leaders on from the East. But this is kind of what we'll be expecting. We'll break down the big storylines, break down each team in this division. Obviously, those guys spoke to you earlier in the show about what they're expecting out of each show. I want to thank you guys for coming on, helping me 
promote this and what's uh i'm looking forward to working with you guys about this so it's gonna be a good time i'm really excited to get on the airwaves and talk about some good old-fashioned baseball we've been waiting way too long for the season to come by and now that we're in here we're all ready and full force ready to go absolutely and the best part for me is no typographical errors <laughs> <laughs> well, that's well that's good to hear Ken and, and, and uh we'll we'll uh we'll have these uh out every Friday. This is kind of our generic MLB. We want a little Cubs, Angels, Yankees heavy, we talked about it, but that's kind of what the MLB grab bag every Friday is gonna be. This is gonna be similar to what each uh happens each week every Friday. Ken, obviously leader of the central, we talked about the Cubs. He got a pretty good in-depth uh, knowledge of all the teams in the central Alex with the West. So I'm looking forward to hearing your guys' shows, how they're run. You guys have done great. I'm looking forward to cheap seats chatter with y'all. So once again, this is overtime heroics, cheap seats chatter signing out. And Hey, one more thing real quick, guys, go ahead. Yep. Hey, listen, if any of you out there listening, want, uh, something you'd like to hear discussed, feel free to, to either hit me up on Twitter, uh, Ken Allison at 18, or you can email me at K-A-L-L-I-S-O-N 68617 at Gmail. Awesome. Yeah, and, and if any of you are interested to come on, we're, we'll welcome help. DM me, DM Ken, DM Alex. I've listed all the Twitters. Uh, DM the Cheap Seeds Chatter page. If you want to come on, discuss, uh, feel free. Uh, feel free. We'll be very accepting. We'll accept all the help that we can as we're starting to grow with all uh, OTH here. So uh, once again, checking out here for the for the day hope you all have a good friday once again this is oth cheap seats chatter on twitter we are at oth underscore cheap seats we'll be giving you baseball highlights our takes there our takes will be on this podcast going four days a week as we spoke to in the show but uh if you really like baseball you enjoy what we're giving you you should go check out our partners at dugout mugs that's dugoutmugs.com they make mugs out of the barrel of baseball bats it's a great gift for any baseball fan or let's be honest for yourself if you're a baseball fan so once again dugoutmugs.com <laughs>